0: Hello, welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Good morning, everyone. So good to see you. I am so excited about this passage of Scripture this morning. Yeah, the beard's gone, so it's just, you know, you you get, do you ever get tired of your face? You know, you say, well, let's grow it, and then let's just cover it up. Well, that's ugly, too, so let's shave it off of whoa, that's ugly too, so here we are. So, uh, 25 years ago, uh, I was reading this passage that we're going to study this morning, and it rocked my world. Uh, it, it's a passage that I've read forever, the, the Beatitudes, and it hit me like I was reading it for the first time like I was one of the people on the side of the mountain listening to Jesus and I've always before this time I always struggled with the Sermon on the Mount like it was this huge bar like whoa (laughs) I thought spirituality was hard before but whoa you just raised the bar when you said uh, you've heard it said I don't commit adultery but I say to you if you've lost it you've already committed adultery if, if, if you uh, don't commit murder, but if you've uh, hated anybody, you've already murdered them. And I think, whoa, you're really raising the bar. But I'm taking you back into the Sermon on the Mount, yeah, to re-radicalize you and to re-radicalize me, but particularly, we're going to focus on the Beatitudes. And what I want you to see here is the values that Jesus brings, So he goes back up on the mountain like we studied last week. And it says actually in verse 1 and 2, when Jesus saw the crowds, so he realizes, okay, it's happening. I'm seeing the crowds. And now he ascends the mountain just like Moses ascended the mountain. Remember, Moses promised a prophet is coming that will be like me, only better and, and, and they're realizing this is it. He goes up the mountain. He sits down, which is a position of authority, speaking to them in authority. They hadn't heard Jesus in authority like this. And he begins to teach. And this is the Magna Carta of, of, of our faith. This is Jesus re-radicalizing us. And speaking to us with authority. in the place that he begins, interestingly, is values. These are the values of the community of Jesus. He talks about brokenness. He talks about mercy. He talks about being authentic and real. He talks about uh, being peacemakers. And he talks about being willing to die for who we believe in. And these values become the values of the Jesus community. And I think you're going to see that these are the values we thrive in here, right here at North Coast Calvary. Here's my insight 25 years ago. It's hard when you read scholars and scholars, and they're saying Jesus, he's the son of God, but he's coming as the prophet using Hebrew Poetry to speak to them as a prophet. And I'm thinking, that's not my world, Hebrew poetry, you know. But our world is Jesus, CEO, starting his new startup, (laughs) the Jesus movement, the Jesus community. This CEO wants to establish the values of the Jesus community before he goes any farther teaching us what we're going to believe he says these are going to be the values of everyone who follows me and it establishes the boundary of community in which the Jesus community thrives and you'll see that they're contrary not only to the world out there and its values but contrary oftentimes sadly to religious communities as it was in Jesus day In uh, Judaism so I'm if you're following me in in the notes we don't have time to to go over what I taught last week And the the way I know that is I taught this last night (laughs) and it was way too long and I told professor Foreman to stay home (laughs) that uh, teacher preacher Foreman was going to take over this morning so we can get out on time so What I want to do first is do a quick swath, a quick glance at the Beatitudes so you get it as a whole. This is often how I study the Bible. I use my wide-angle lens, get the context, get the speed, so it's just like I'm sitting there listening to Jesus, and then we'll go back and take each Beatitude apart and get out of here on time. So let's read the Beatitudes together. Actually, we're probably in different translations. So when I say together, I'm not saying out loud, but uh, that might be an interesting idea if we could all read the same translation. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Hey, it's right there. Let's just read it from the screen. Can we read it out loud together? (laughs) Blessed are the poor in spirit. Come on. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Bless. Blessed are the hung, uh, thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Lord, come and speak to us this morning. You know our address, each one of us individually, and exactly what we need. Holy Spirit, plant your seed of truth into our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. I kind of like that, maybe we should do that every weekend, just to, uh, since we have, it, it's kind of cool, some of us are better, re- you're better readers than I am, uh, but it- it's cool to do that together. So... What you notice in a first glance is it feels like something's wrong. If you're not a Christian, those of you that have been raised in the church, you you would say, how can anything be wrong? These are the Beatitudes. But if you're a brand new believer, you're reading, these seem contrary to the idea of blessing. It's almost like up is down. So it seems wrong. Uh, There's people in need. There's people waiting, they're poor in spirit, they're mourning, they're hungering, they're thirsty. Those are normally not things we pursue. Right? I was thinking about the song we were thing, singing right there at the end. I want to be tried by fire, and wondering how many of us, as we're reading that, saying, eh, could we not sing that lyric? <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's almost like saying, Come on, bring it on, (laughs) and 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 I thought to myself, I'm not sure if I want to sing that lyric. But then, we all know that God is good, and He's never going to give you anything. You know, we have a good Father, that we're we're not. uh, It's not magic that we're doing, and so if we say something, it doesn't backfire upon us. He's a wonderful, wonderful Father. But in this line, there's people poor in spirit, mourning. uh, We're giving mercy, but they. The reason we're giving mercy is somebody needs mercy. Someone's at war with somebody else, and that's why we're, we're being peacemakers. And also, it's not so good when people are persecuted. I'm a champion of the persecuted church. We had a great time Friday night with the Iranian women. How many of you were here? It was just a blow-up. It was amazing. But hearing them in the dark dungeons of Iran... One of the worst prisons of the world, standing for their faith in Jesus. Uh, I don't pray that we stay in persecution forever. It needs to be resolved. So the point is, the Beatitudes are introducing things that are contrary to what we would think is the blessed life. It feels upside down. It feels like uh, we're inside out. Yet, we are blessed and hopeful. Why? Because Messiah is here. Jesus is here. And that's why the blessing is there. And, and the whole section ends in verse 12 by saying, Rejoice and be glad. So, it's because of the presence of Jesus. But here's the question. Is he here simply to fix all these things? Like, Jesus could be saying, I know you're poor in spirit, I know that you're grieving and mourning, but chill out, relax, I'm here. It's all going to be great. Or is he saying, I'm here with you in the pain, and now as a community, we're going through this together. There's two different messages there. We all know that ultimately it gets fixed when the kingdom of heaven is fully here, when when uh, everything is resolved, but it kind of feels like there's an already but not yet sense about this. But the promises are astounding. You get the kingdom of heaven. You don't don't get just a mansion. People that go off on this mansion thing, you know we're going to have a mansion, we're going to have streets of gold. It's like, dude, God can wave his hand and do that all you all he wants. How big a mansion do you need? Uh, you know, th- that's not the deal. You get heaven, <laughs> the kingdom of heaven, or later on in another one, he says, you inherit the earth. You get the whole planet. It's yours for this little thing that's going on inside of you right now. N.T. Wright, who is a famed scholar, and and I think has been a a blessing to the Christian community, uh, he talks about an illustration that I think applies here. He talks about seeing a movie about pilots who are trying to break the sound barrier. And there's scads of movies that have been done about this. And you know the name Chuck Yeager. He's the one that finally breaks the sound barrier. But in this particular movie, at the climax of the movie, as he's trying to break the barrier of 735 miles an hour, and these these planes in these days were tin cans. I mean, I think the films uh, depict these... Uh, flying machines properly by showing them vibrating like this, you know, and they're holding on you know, tr- as they're trying to break the sound barrier. But Chuck Yeager senses why some of the other pilots before him crashed or why they didn't succeed is he has this hunch that when you break the sound barrier, everything flips. Up is down and down is up. So he experiments with the stick and pushes the stick forward and the plane goes up. He pulls the stick back and the plane goes down. And it's kind of like the kingdom of God that way. That these things initially feel like, whoa, I don't want to be a part of a meek community. These little people that are so meek. I want to be a bold, strong, conquering person. I don't want to be around meek people. But the meek people inherit the earth. They're, they're actually the big people. Because down is up. By the way, uh, N.T. Wright investigated to see if that was true. And it actually wasn't true about Chuck Yeager. It was just a drama that Hollywood pull, pulled off you know, to make the movie more interesting. Uh, It it doesn't change at the sound barrier. (laughs) But it's a good illustration, right? (laughs) So one by one, let's look at the, the Beatitudes. Number one, the poor in spirit versus the rich in self receive God's wealth. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit... For theirs is the kingdom of God, God's wealth. So many have limit, limited the poor in spirit to be referring. Good Christian teachers have limited it to sin. So someone who's poor in spirit they would teach is someone that's uh, faced their sin. And now they're, they're crying, they're, they're poor in spirit. And I would not take anything away from that, but I would say... I don't think it's limited to awareness of sin. We have to use the Old Testament, I think, to define each of these uh, beatitudes, because Jesus is telling us that the Old Testament is being fulfilled right before your eyes. And the Old Testament is rich with this concept of the poor in spirit. Luke, in his Sermon on the Plain, In a different context in Jesus' ministry, he tells us, blessed just simply are the poor, which would bring up in our minds socioeconomic issues, not just poverty in spirit. But I think all of us would admit that they're highly correlated. When you're you're poor, oftentimes you're broken. And when you're broken in spirit, oftentimes you don't feel like going to work, right? So... Poverty of spirit, what is that? And why would that be blessed? Well, if we go to the Old Testament, Psalm 34 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm uh, Isaiah 57. Even though I live in a high and holy place, that's where God is. He says, I also am with the contrite and lowly in spirit. Isn't that beautiful? Even though he's high and lofty, he's especially with people who are poor in spirit. So you may feel at times like you're broken. I think that's a good word a synonym for poor in spirit, you're broken. And Jesus is saying, it's not such a bad thing. It's not such a bad thing, because someone who's finally broken, even though the world would never promote brokenness, someone who's finally broken discovers the nearness of God. So wouldn't that be a good thing to celebrate? as a Jesus community, that we celebrate brokenness. We don't go around looking for it, but when it happens, and I take a trip to the altar here, you know how we have people up in prayer here at the end of the service, and someone comes the second time, someone comes the third time up here. What do we do? Well, they came the first time to get Jesus, they came the second time, I don't know, maybe they were just wanting to be refilled in the Holy Spirit. But now they're coming the third time. What's going on? And then what do we do? Do we judge them? Do we gossip? Like, well, I don't know. No, we celebrate. Because I may be up there next week in some kind of brokenness in my life. It could be marital. It could be economic. It could be Viral, (laughs) it could be any number of things that brings us to our knees and the person who's brought to their knees discovers that they're blessed with the presence of God and they inherit the kingdom of heaven. Wow. Turning life on its head. So when you reach into the pockets of your soul. I don't know how deep your soul pockets are. You reach into the pockets of your soul. What do you pull out? Usually we pull out, I'm amazing because I do this. I'm amazing because I do this. And we have all kinds of new amazing things now. I'm amazing. Have you seen my social media account? I'm amazing because of my clothing, my dress. I'm amazing because of my job, what I do. I'm amazing because of who I know. I know so many amazing people. But none of that works when you're in the presence of God. Right? God and say, God, hold on. You should be really glad I'm on your team. <laughs> no, it's Isaiah. Woe is me. I got nothing in my pockets. And Jesus says, You're blessed. Congratulations. This is your lucky day. So that needs to be while we're waiting for Jesus to come again. That needs to be a value in the Jesus community, and it's number one. Right there, brokenness. Number two, blessed are those who have experienced or are experiencing loss versus those who are without pain because they will be comforted. Comfort is your reward. In Isaiah 61, this is the verse that Jesus quotes in Nazareth before they try to throw him over the cliff. He's in the synagogue and he says, I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and comfort to all who mourn. So it was something that the Jews knew the Messiah was going to bring, comfort. When he promises you and I, the Holy Spirit, he promises that he will send another comforter. And you say, well, who was the first comforter? Jesus. So Jesus comes. By the way, uh, People up there in, in the sound booth, uh, could you push the thermometer up a degree? Um, for some reason, on this side of the stage, it's freezing. And, I, and I'm, I'm a, yeah, you, we can clap for that, yeah. I think it's kind of like restaurants, they freeze you out the The waiters are running around and the, the door's open, and you, you just kind of like, "Could we shut the door? It's snowing outside and I know all you you warm people are saying, Oh darn so blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted isaiah twenty five eight says uh He will wipe away all the tears. And this is quoted again in Revelation. I'm so glad Jesus wept. Because if he was a man, if he was incarnate, he needs to have experienced what I experienced. And when I saw him weep in the Gospels at Lazarus' grave, I realized, oh my gosh, he knows my pain. So you and I want to be a community that comforts those that are weeping. We don't try to say, come on, chip, chip, cheerio. What are you crying about? Jesus is God, he's on the throne. You know how those people to come around you and then you just say, don't let them come to me in the hospital. You know, they come to your hospital and there you are, you got hit by a car and you're laying there and you can, you're in a body cast, and like, arr, arr, you know, and they say, hey, it's a great day. Look at those toesies you got there. You can, can you move your toesy? Look at that! Praise God, you got toesies, you know. I want them to come and visit me, but the first thing I want them to do is to weep with me. Before they slap a band aid of scripture on me, all things work together for good. For those of you who believe that, come on, come on, do you believe? Before you slap that verse on me, Fulfill the other verse that says, weep with those that weep. Because it's human. God doesn't make us unhuman. God doesn't make us angels. God revives our humanity. And part of our humanity in a broken world is to weep. And the Jesus community weeps with those that weep. Because there's a blessing, because we're also there to comfort you, and the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you uh, in your pain. Thirdly, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. So, blessed are the people that that are low, that are humble, and they're looking up at all the people that are not so humble, that seem to have it all. And Jesus says, "The humble get it all in the end." How cool is that blessing? You get it all in the end. Psalm thirty-seven, by the way, verse eleven. This is almost an exact quote that Jesus uh, cuts and pastes out of the Old Testament to the New, because Psalm thirty-seven eleven says, "But the meek will inherit the earth." Number four, by the way, let me just say this about our culture. Our culture promotes humility. Um, I don't think anyone responded up there. It's still, it's, still, it's still freezing right here and blowing. You got me? Great. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> so... Our culture promotes humility, right? Uh, You hear that, Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts. You hear that, public schools. Humility is the thing. And I would just say it's a farce because out there in the work world, out there in the sport world, out there in most parts of culture, even the religious world that Jesus was in with Pharisees strutting around with their regalia and fighting over the, the best seats in the house, It's usually not true in culture. It's true in teaching, but not true in culture. But Jesus says, blessed are the meek. So that should be a value in the Jesus community. There should be servant leaders, not lording it over king leaders, right? And I know on staff, it's a value here that we talk about all the time. I remember telling a pastor when I first became pastor here, there was kind of a, 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 a transition of the guards that was going on in terms of staff. And, um, and I, I heard him talking to somebody else, and he was asking him the question Am I your pastor or not? Do I have authority over your life or not? And I happened to be coming around the corner. As I hear this, and when the meeting was over, I peered from around the corner, and I said, uh, it's time to hand in your badge. He says, what do you mean, my badge? I said, your God badge, that you somehow have deputized yourself to have some kind of God badge, that you get to talk to people like that, and he bowed his head and he said, I'm so sorry. I said, this will never happen in this Jesus community. If someone respects you, you earned it out of humility. You don't, you don't demand ever respect because uh, you've already lost it if you're demanding it. Number four, those who long for God's ways versus those who are bloated and satisfied with the status quo, they will be filled, in other words, satisfied. So people that feel desperate at times, this world's wrong. It's not just people that are are dissatisfied and want revival, people that are hungering for more of God, that should be a good thing, right? Never, come on, you got all you need. You know, you've you've already got all you need. Well, yeah, you do have all you need through Jesus, but the hunger is right. It's true. That's what leads to being fed with babies. Babies cry, and then they're fed, right? It's a part of human nature, and Jesus knows that. Listen to a psalm that we love to sing. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I, when can I go and meet with him day and night while men are saying to me, where is your God? So if we feel that way at times, it's a good thing. We want to treasure that value in our midst. Now, we have the fulfillment, not only that we will be filled, but we're filled with the Holy Spirit. The new wine that Jesus promised, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but it's an hors d'oeuvre.